Hi, how we doing, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and today I'll be discussing customer psychology and consulting strategy with my guest, Monica Sharma Patnikar. Monica is an e-commerce brand mentor and consultant that has over 17 years of experience working with startup companies, Fortune 500 brands, and anyone in between. One of the topics we discuss is her desires over demographics framework, which you can download at businesswithmonica.com slash Debutify. So feel free to download that PDF so you can follow along during our discussion. Here's our interview now. Welcome to the show, Monica. How are you doing? Hi, so nice to be here. I'm good. Wonderful. We're very happy to have you. So you are reporting live from the Netherlands right now. Yes, absolutely. I'm in Amsterdam. I'm, um, you know, I say Dutch by birth, Indian by heritage. So I'm born and raised here. That is very cool. So we'll just jump right in. As an e-commerce consultant, what do you do specifically? Yeah, that's a good question. Very big question. I'll try to be very concise, but I'm a brand growth strategist. So that I really help people to define a really clear brand and brand strategy for their business, which really is about figuring out why you do what you do. You know, you're in a bigger purpose. Who is your customer? Why are they really buying? And that real customer that's actually buying from you and what you're there for stand up for as a brand. And then take that and look at your metrics and say, how can I adapt this to the right messaging along the customer journey? to be able to guide my customers to be able to make that decision to buy. So that kind of touches on my next question. What 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 is your goal when you start working with a company? Is it, is it to kind of figure out what their goals are? Yes. So I work with highly purpose-driven, impact-driven businesses. There are conscious products. They're really trying to create an impact with their products that they sell as well. So, you know, you you're, want to have a long-term sustainable business. You want to have it profitable, but obviously not maximizing your profits at any cost, ethics, sustainability, all of that play a big role. And when these people come in, a lot of times I've seen the clients come into me at a point when they're doing all the right things. They've been doing the traffic generation, putting out content, doing the advertising, doing the collaborations, the emailing maybe even every day, if not uh, at least a few times a week. They're doing all the right strategies and tactics, at least and taking right actions, but yet they're not able to break that ceiling of growth that they've reached. For some people, it's trying to reach that first six figures. For others, they're already the multi-six figures, but just feel stuck to get to the next level. And and that's when I come in usually. And at that stage, it's really about defining where they want to go to, what they really want to achieve for their business, both if how they want to work, how it impacts their life, right? And in terms of the actual tangible business goals. Often it is really going back down to basic marketing and brand and business principles. And there's a missing piece tends to be that brand piece and really knowing your customer and knowing what you stand for as a brand so that you can then have the right messaging, which you then go back and to take all those right actions. And that's usually kind of the stage I get into. That's great. And we'll dive deeper into some of those processes later. So for you specifically, how did you build the credentials to become an e-commerce brand mentor and consultant? Because that's kind of not an, an easy gig oh. to get into, I can imagine. <laughs> well, I'm, I say I'm a brand builder and it's been like over 17 years career. You know, I did the master's in business, majored in marketing, went into the corporate world, took on brand management roles, launching a new brand to the market, work managing heritage brands, the full shebang with operations included, moved into strategy consulting, 
then moved into global marketing and where I was really, you know, from strategy and positioning to action plans, but even ensuring right teams and structure for people to implement it and they have the right skills. I realized um, I was ready to leave the corporate world. I quit when I was pregnant with my second child and decided to go on my own, which was a long-term dream. And I started my own online store selling um, home accessories and design contemporary designers in India and bringing that to Europe. When I was doing that, though, I realized that I was such a hurry to leave the corporate world that I was chasing this old teenage dream of mine of starting this online store or bringing in these uh, products. Whereas my heart is really building brands. And that's what I did my entire career. I'm working with multiple businesses to be able to do that. And I was in the circles I was in at that time. Uh, I was helping my fellow you know, entrepreneurs uh, with all the knowledge I had over all those years and how, and I started realizing that was the missing piece. None of them knew who their customers were. And I'm like, wait one second, that's what I need to be focusing on. Uh, but what I chose to do, I stopped freelancing with the bigger businesses and really niched down to both scale-ups and startups, also in the tech and SaaS space, and small business entrepreneurs who e-commerce, product-based, retail, you know, who really impact-driven, purpose-driven businesses. No, that's great. And, and and then, you know, you even still at the same time get to build your own brand. You know, I visited your website businesswithmonica.com and and you know, it is well organized and you still get to do all that for your consulting, you know, firm individually at the same time. So you got to kind of have your cake and eat it as well. Yeah, I, I'm still doing, I'm taking the same actions for my business. It's just a service-based business, but I'm doing the same things. But, and I get to help multiple brands. And it, the fun part is actually seeing the impact I have in people's lives when their business starts taking off the way they want it to. That's great. So do you have any specific metrics in terms of your success rate as a consultant? Like, you know, what your track record looks like? So like I said, I've worked from Fortune 500 businesses to startups, scale-ups, to small, you know, the solo entrepreneur. Uh, across industries, sectors, re even regions. And for some of the bigger businesses I've worked with in the SaaS and tech space, you know, once we've really helped them gain that focusing clarity of that big vision they have for their business and really translate that to key action plans, some of them have grown to 40 to 50% annually after implementing all that work. I've worked with, you know, agencies that have then been identified as Google Premium Partners, which is only the top 3%. So your sales and revenue need to be there. For my smaller entrepreneurs, I've worked with people, you know, who are multi six figures and really struggling to get repeat purchases. And just within a few day, uh, 30 days of implementing some of the work we do, they start doubling their open rates because it they start shifting from just pure selling to really helping their customers. Um, clients who've barely made a few thousand a year to having some of the best months in the pandemic. But I want to add to this is, you know, these results come over a period of time after we do this, really taking the time to implement this consistently across your business. This is not a 30-day to XROI kind of thing. This is really slowing down, getting to know your customer, your brand, and translating it consistently across your business. It takes three to five years to build a successful and profitable business minimum, you know, to really break even and go profitable. And I believe when you're doing something meaningful, it really does take time. So it's really about also be having the trust. And that's the biggest for me. Although, of course, for a lot of business owners, it's the ROI. What I see change in my clients I work with is the trust they have in themselves. Once they know so clearly who their customers are and why are they doing what they're doing and what that means in terms of all the messaging and therefore the actions they need to take, they start trusting their own decisions a lot more. They start taking control over their business versus blindly following other people's roadmaps. And that's when I start seeing the step change happen in people's businesses. You're totally right. I think people have an idea in their head already of, 
all these things that they're supposed to do or that they have to do because it's what everyone else is doing. I have to get on, you know, this social media platform and make sure that that's, if everyone's doing that, you're not really cutting through the noise at all. So I think that's an extremely acute observation. Yeah. And, you know, everybody knows, you know, if 1% is the average conversion rate, we can all do the maths. How many people do you need to your website? They're doing all the traffic, but when it's still not giving you the results you want, it's about taking that step back and saying, okay, what's not working and being able to trust yourself as well in that process to be able to make those decisions. And if you have a team to be able to take them along as well. Absolutely. So, you know, what we've kind of been talking about already is brands versus company. So how do you specifically as a consultant, you know, business with Monica, how do you turn a company into a brand or as you've more specifically alluded to in other interviews, a product into a lifestyle, because that's what it's about is getting returning customers. I I need this lifestyle, not just this product. I think that's the biggest thing for people, for business owners to realize you're not just selling a product, you're selling a lifestyle. It's an experience that people buy into. It's a feeling people buy your products because of how they feel. And sometimes you're even creating this whole movement with it. And I think realizing that is really important and that the brand is the perception of the feeling that your customers have at every single touch point. So whether they are interacting with you on your website, they're reading your emails on social media, they're receiving your packages at home, every single touch point, that feeling that they get when they interact with you, that's a brand. So it's such a subconscious thing. Um, It's so hard to define, right? So it really comes back down to the things I keep repeating is really understanding your customer and what they want in their lifestyle, their needs, wants, and desires. I also say, you know, you're not just solving a problem, you're fulfilling a desire. A lot of the products we want, they don't necessarily solve a technical problem in our lives. It's something we just want. I didn't need that fourth pair of legging. I bought it anyway. I just really wanted it. So understanding those needs, wants, and desires of your customers, define translating that into the core values, the benefits that you offer your customer, not just what your product does, but how does it make your customers feel and how does it transform their life together with what really makes you unique and different? Why you and nobody else? So if you're answering the question for your customer, why should I buy from you? Making sure that is consistently then translated across the products that you're offering, the messaging, copy, content, ads, every single thing, or even the design and look and feel that you put out there and just consistency in that message and clarity in it uh, is just super important. And over a period of time, that will make you into a brand versus just a product in your customer's mind. So you have to be, if I'm hearing you correctly, you have to be asking the right questions, right? So that's where it starts. Um, I think that's like where, where some people may get a little frustrated with me, but it all starts with knowing your customer, because if you don't know who you're speaking to, how can you attract them? And now you can attract more of them or get them to come back. Uh, it's as simple as that. No, absolutely. I, I think you're totally right. And I, I think it's great for our, our listenership to know that you actually have an excellent resource you know, called the four D's or the desires over demographics framework, which is actually free to the public on businesswithmonica.com slash debutify. So can you explain for us what this framework um, is used for specifically? So this is just a great starting point to start speaking to your customers. So the four D's are the four types of questions you need to be asking your customer, the four categories of questions. Because a lot of times, you know, what do people do? They go ask the customers, how did you like my product? How did you find me? So it's very standard things where you're not really getting to know your customer or I'm planning on creating this. Would you buy it? And again, asking people to predict the future. Again, we can't do that as humans. I mean, we'll tell you, okay, maybe, yeah, it sounds great, but it doesn't actually mean they will buy it at the moment. So what you really need to do is 
figure out who your customer is, and then you need to define how your product delivers on those needs that they have. So by using these four Ds, it's a great starting point to go out and start interviewing and speaking to your customers one-on-one, -on -one, preferably. You can also do surveys, but there's nothing like speaking to them one-on-one -on -one where you can just dive deeper into the motivations that they have. I think that one-on-one -on -one experience is extremely important. You know, you've asked a lot of good questions up to this point already. And I feel like as, as just a customer in the world, the only questions I usually get is, how did you hear about us? And what do you think about us? You know, what brought you here? And what do you think now that you're here? And and it the buck kind of stops there as as a customer with a lot of my experience. Yeah, I mean, just think of like, as an example, the bigger brands, the Apples or the Starbucks of the world. What well, what are they really delivering on? It's an experience. Starbucks is where the third place in people's life, and they do it through their you know their their uh, cafes and coffee chains, but also through the coffee that they do. It's the product that is the proof point, but creating this third place in people's life how did they come to that they observed and they learned about their customers by seeing people went to work people went home and there was no other kind of place in between for people to be and hang out same with apple they really observed how people use their products and what it meant it was a lot about connection and simplicity that and then they created the product that delivered on that the best don't ask your customers for the solutions ask them what's going on in their life and you need to create the solution they don't always know the answer and both are companies that are more lifestyle based, you know, both companies, actually Starbucks and Apple create a brand where people use their products daily and, and are, are lining Apple specifically are lining up out the door, even when they announce a new product, because it it, it is, I got to have it yeah. stuff, you know? So more specifically about this, this framework and this resource, what, what are the four D's specifically? And um, how can we break that down? Because I think it's pretty simple, you know, as as a a customer and someone curious. Again, this is a free resource available. Um, what are these four Ds and questions that we're asking? So we start with the most simple, the demographics. It's not always the most exciting, but we do want to know, okay, who are we actually speaking to in terms of the factual information about them? And it does help still with things like targeting on different uh, platforms. So it's great to know that. Demographics, factual information, age, life stage, you know, married, not married, with kids, not kids, that can give you a lot of insights into people already. But then we come to the second one is these desires, which is, I think, the hardest one for people to understand and grasp and the one people skip the most. So this is what is what are your customers' needs, wants, and desires? What's going on in their life right now? What makes them happy? What are their struggles or, or, or some people like calling pain points? Um, you know, what, what is kind of missing or what would they like more? Uh, just really understand what's going on in their life at the moment. And then the third one is, I say do. So how, what are they doing within your category? So here we start getting more into the product category that you are operating in. This is how did they find you? How did they hear of you? Why did they buy you? Why didn't they? What other competitors or alternatives are they going to? What are the triggers or barriers? You know, the people who are buying from you, what is making them actually say yes? And maybe for the ones who are following you, visiting your site, but not going ahead, what is stopping them from doing that? So really understanding the behavior within your category and with related to your business. And the final one is delight. What makes them happy? with that whole shopping experience, the experience shopping on your site, when they receive your product, what they do with it, what are they telling others about you? What are they telling competitors uh, about um, the competitors uh, so that you know 
how you compare to them. So it's demographics, desires, do, and delight. Wonderful. That's simple enough, honestly. And and I think what's really interesting in the checklist of these items that you outlined, a couple a couple of these questions come up and they seem a bit su- subjective, honestly, and 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 it's hard to attain from a customer. So, you know, a question like, what makes the customer happy? How do you uh, attain or try to quantify such a difficult question like that? Yeah, so see that as a checklist. So that's not the exact question you ask, obviously. These are the checklist kind of points you'd like to answer and have an answer to. So just going back to remembering that most of our purchases are subconscious. Uh, We buy on how we feel. And often what we see as humans, what we really do think and feel contradicts what we say. Because as humans, we tend to explain things based on logic we rationalize things and you know why did i buy those those four that fourth pair of leggings well guess what it just fits really nicely well i mean i had enough of them but i still bought it so there's a feeling of why i really wanted it and that's what you want to get to now how do we do that because no people are not lying to you we just want to make that clear it's just they're not able to tap into that themselves always so it's a style of questioning i use which is called actually customer story probing where we invite our customers to tell us stories. Often you'll go, what's going on in your life when you made this purchase? You know, and then people are going to start thinking and rationalizing like, okay, what was going on at that moment? Instead of when we get to the happy question, just saying, tell me about a recent moment in your life that just really made you happy and let them talk, let them tell you a story. Why? Well, we use storytelling and marketing, right? Because stories are memorable, they're unique, they connect on an emotional level, And it's the same thing when you invite there for people to tell you a story instead of you telling them. They will tell you about what was really going on in their life recently that was important. Um, You know, maybe, I don't know, as a mom, you think it was a moment with their kid. But for all you know, for them, it was a moment when they were away from their house with their girlfriends. Uh, Let them tell you what's important. So invite them to tell you stories first and foremost. Let them talk very open and always ask about situations and things that have happened so that you actually get what the real situation versus asking them to predict things in the future. Those are the two things I would really start with. And then obviously you can follow up with more standard open questions and closed questions to really get more of the information you want. But just start with inviting your customers and people to tell you stories. It's like talking to a friend in a way. That's the way to build that bond or that trust. So so you're not just you meaning any of these companies are just monolith figures of any sort of effect. and and when you, when you're asking these questions and gathering this information i think it's important that you know we're not treating these customers with with broad strokes either so obviously you know we want to gather this information and it's all very specific so we don't want to paint a general brush of you know this is who my customer base is right yeah exactly you want them to tell you everything and then you will start seeing commonalities across all the different conversations and surveys and things. And from those commonalities is how you create a picture of who that person really is that you're speaking to and what is their wants. And often you'll see that despite age differences, maybe even life stage differences or where they are at in life, there is a common desire, right? Um, going, I mean, Starbucks will attract both the young and old, right? Uh, it's the same way. So you want to see what is that common desire and need that they have, which you can fulfill through your products. That's great. A lot of these companies that you work for, are they in like a certain industry or a certain, you know, sector or or is it all over the place? 
I have done pretty much everything in my entire career. So the larger businesses I work with will be spread across e-commerce or scale-ups, across e-commerce, SaaS, tech, and even digital agencies that have helped. The smaller entrepreneurs that I work with, uh, often, you know, they may be solo entrepreneurs or with a small team. They're very specific product-based e-commerce businesses, uh, retail um, a lot of them, you know, creative entrepreneurs, they could be making or creating their products. It doesn't make a difference, but very purpose driven. But again, across, I've done jewelry to, you know, baby carriers to clothes to a recent client of mine. I'm just starting to work with this in the perfume space, luxury perfume space, mm. handcrafted based on oils. Um, so it's really wide range that I've worked with. And it's just the consistency is the purpose driven, impact driven businesses conscious businesses, um, and really helping them on that brand growth uh, strategy. That's cool. Do you end up having to look for clients to work with? Or are you now at the point where you're pretty self-sustainable? I think that was a, a, a phrase that I heard you in another interview say was sustainable, which means you know being able to live off of your profit. Do you go out and look for brands to work with or, or are they all coming to your door now? Actually, I think it's a combination. I, I don't think I stop. Okay. I don't, I don't think you should ever stop one or the other. I'm super active still on whether it's social media or I'm doing guest podcasts, um, emailing my list, but at the same time, my previous clients seem to refer people to me as well. So I have people coming in. That's the best that way well. to get business. It, it is. It's the best. Uh, it definitely is. But I think as you grow your business, I think having a bit of a combination to also, you know, you never know what happens in the world. Make sure that you're not completely dependent on only certain streams. I think I, I always like to keep it broader. And I just also love sharing, talking about this. And hopefully, even if you're not working with me, you take away. So I just love getting out there and talking about this topic uh, a lot. <laughs> and you're good at it too. Do you have any other employees or is it, is it you and solely solo, you? Solo me so far. Yes. That is adventurous. <laughs> I'm also a mom. I work around my kids. It allows me to have the balance and, you know, build a successful business while having helping other businesses and really see the impact in their lives. But whilst I'm able to keep a semblance of control in my life and, you know, be there with my kids and my family as well. No, the freedom of, of autonomy. I love it. So, you know, as a consultant, I want to kind of dive into that specific work a little bit. You know, I imagine as a consultant, you got to have some tough conversations with the entrepreneurs and the, and the people running these companies that you're working with in terms of having to tell them, say, why their company isn't succeeding as, as well as it could be. I mean, as you said yourself, they're bringing you on because they're kind of hitting their ceiling and what they can attain. So how do you approach, you know, those tough conversations where you have to hold these companies accountable a little bit while also not being too harsh on them because, you know, you got to be solution-based. How, yeah. how do you kind of approach that? Oh, that's a good question. And I think one thing I do notice is that when people do come up, they're reaching out for help. So they know something's not working. So um, often I see that they are already very open in general. It's uh, the conversations are not always too bad, <laughs> but I've had those moments. The larger businesses I tend to see is using a lot of trying as, my best to also use research and metrics in their business numbers uh, to show them why maybe something may not be working. And I tend to notice for the bigger the businesses are, the more they want the factual information to support some of the decision making. For the smaller businesses, but also, again, with some of the bigger businesses, remembering that you're speaking to humans. And sometimes there are, I notice, fears underlying things. 
So it's really trying to understand, first of all, why they're even doubting something. If if you suggest certain things or why you need to do something, really going into open con- two-way conversations and dive deeper into what is stopping them from taking the next action or stopping and believing what to do. I've had really hard conversations with people on having to do customer interviews. I've had people fight me on that, <laughs> literally. For me, that's a non-negotiable step when I work with people because we can't be making up who you're working uh, speaking to. So again, when I speak to people, I see it's a fear of rejection. I see it's a fear. Why would somebody even want to speak to me uh, or the fear of even criticism that they may hear? So I tend to see it's a combination of the factual information, research-based, whatever I can get hold of if they don't have it in their own business and really speaking to them further to dive deeper into, okay, what is really underlying this doubt that you're having, you know, and, you know, if it hasn't worked so far, you've tried it this way, what's the harm trying it the other way and seeing what will happen. And it's, it's so far it's worked. (laughs) Is that what you would consider kind of the biggest problem that people have in these startups or why they're hitting this ceiling? Um, That that's kind of a question that just popped into my head is so say, you know, anyone, anyone listening, is dealing with this problem, is that generally the first thing that they need to look at? Is this this lack of confidence or f- fear of rejection? I think that's a big underlying thing in the business uh, a lot. Um, I've seen that, especially the smaller entrepreneurs, this fear is always, is really, and the co- lacking confidence in themselves. Sometimes often people have started these businesses by leaving other careers or uh, this is not something that they are educated in or something. And this is impossible. They're more just passionate about it than anything else. Ex- exactly. And then they're obviously, algorithms are changing every day. The economy is changing every single day. We don't know what's happening. So yes, there is a lot of lack of confidence and fears. And when, so there's one, a mindset issue that people need to work on, but I often see by going back to the foundational principles of business, which people sometimes skip, right? They they just launch the business, they start the store, they do the traffic generation, generating activities, they spend the money, but they've never really taken a step back and say, what do I really stand for? Why am I doing this? Why do my customers buy from me? That on its own, these exercises tend to give people a lot of more confidence where they say, we start to able to take decisions in our business from our own self-realizations, understanding what a customer needs, and the way we want to work. So yes, that's a big piece that I've noticed, at least with the ones that come to me at the stage they're at. That's really knowledgeable. So instead of, you know, just saying I have this product and I really love it. A lot of times I heard in sales, cause I've, I've, I've been in sales before in that racket and the really good salesmen, the, the ones that I was really impressed with always said that, you know, you're selling yourself, not even the product more often than not. So if I'm not educated and that's coming up in my lack of confidence, then that's going to show in my pitches. I could be as passionate as I want about this product, but if I'm not speaking about it honestly and openly with kind of that business mindset, I think people are going to be able to see right through me. Yeah, absolutely. Do you believe in what you sell? Like truly, truly believe in it. I think that needs to come across as well. And then instead of feeling like you're selling, start thinking like you're helping your customers like what does this product do for them and if you start approaching it from them like actually if this comes in their life this is how it will help them and that you're actually serving them uh if you start taking that mindset i've seen that help people a lot as well and i want to remind people that this goes for every stage of business i finished working with a client they're a 200 million dollar business 
They built their business based on performance marketing. They have no idea who their customer actually is and who's buying from them. That's where I came in to help them. So again, just a reminder, this is not just an issue with small business owners. This goes across the board because it's just so easy to go out and just start and work with influencers or start your ads that people have depended on that so much in the past. But with rising acquisition costs, changing algorithms, you're seeing that people are realizing that really to build that brand loyalty and long-term sustainable businesses, they really need to know work on this piece as well. Have you ever um, started on the on the ground floor of a company in terms of like, you know, someone's literally in the process of starting up a company, they hear about your services and they bring you on to kind of attack, you know, the problem before it's even really arrived? Yeah, I have people who, who small business entrepreneurs who barely made any sales yet. They didn't have much customers, but even the larger businesses, this one in the Netherlands uh, was a really interesting product it's, it's in the dairy space um, yeah we actually help them at that stage as well to really get to know their customers and there are different ways of, to tackle this uh, and then define their brand but it's you can tackle this in very different ways if you have the budget there are great platforms and agencies we can use for you know a lot of research if you don't have your own customers but i want to remind people you can do this yourself as well um even if you don't have many customers even the few you have I would always start with those, but also within your network. Who do you think are the people that you could, who would like this? Speak to them. And then what you do is you ask those people to recommend somebody else to speak to. So that's how you also move out of your own network. And people will start suggesting people that they think are great for your product. Then obviously they're great you know, resources online. You can read blogs and contents, read testimonials of different competitors in the space the negative and positive positive will tell you what's working but negative will tell you what's missing there and you can really pick out a lot of stuff from there then you have websites like spark toro and similar web where you can look at analytics the more analytical base of you know who's buying where traffic is coming from for competitors so there are different ways that you can tackle this if you are you know you don't have much budget but you're just starting out no that's great i i really appreciate all this knowledge and you know, we always end our interviews with um, the same question. And that's, what do you do, Monica, in your free time to ensure a balanced lifestyle and to retain your sanity in such a, <laughs> a, a hectic space? That's a big question. I, ha I have two kids, so they keep me busy. My daughters are 10 and 7 right now. So obviously, they keep me busy and I work around them. So I do this. I love being there and doing the school pickup. So I literally plan my days so that I am there too for the school pickups, have some time with them after school. And sometimes I take calls in the evening because of time zone differences. I'm in Holland if I do the US. I think during the pandemic, I let go of a lot of things. Um, so I've been picking my yoga up again. I've been actively going out for, you know, meeting friends for dinners and brunches and making sure that I have time for myself as well. But a lot of time of mine does go into family time with kids and weekends with the broader family. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I do a lot of reading and I stay away. I actually do not read a lot of business books lately because I realized life is so busy. I sometimes from, you know, those brainless chiclets to more serious fiction, but I just love reading things where I can shut off from 
business and not always be learning and busy with things. That's exactly what I'm talking about in balance. Sure, sure. We can read about what we're employed in a lot of times, but sometimes I just need to get away. I really appreciate that. I got a big tip because I've also I've also been taking some help with some of the stress that post pandemic. And it's one of the big tip I got was also to start uh, doing ha- stuff with my hands, that that is very relaxing and mindful. So I actually did my first ever crochet project and I made a scarf for my daughter. And it was actually really fun. Um, I didn't realize I'd enjoy it so much. Oh, that's great. Maybe you'll, you'll be turning your own little Etsy store in real quick. <laughs> is, is there anything you'd, you'd like to plug before we wrap up here? I would just say, please go back to the foundations of business. You know, just remember, it's like a house. You don't build a house without the foundations, the stuff you can't see. Then you do the walls, you do the interiors and invite people in. It's the same for business. you got to have that strong foundation. It will help you weather the storms, the economic changes and especially in times of this with uncertainty and uh, you know, we don't know if we're going to have a recession or not. Some of the businesses that come out strongest are the ones that continue to building their brand and really, really know who their customers are. Even if you're slowing down, if you are reducing some of that marketing expense, don't completely stop. Take this time to dive into your business and figure out what you're really doing, why you're doing it and who's buying from you and what you stand for as a brand. Excellent advice and sage wisdom. So thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, Monica. And it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. I want to thank my guest, Monica Sharma Patnikar, for joining us on the show and to our producer, Micah Quinto, for putting it all together. Tune in next week when I talk with Thomas Shea, the co-founder and chief revenue officer of Agile Media Group, about out-of-home advertising and more specifically, truckside marketing. For more information about Monica, you can visit her website, businesswithmonica.com, or follow her on LinkedIn. That's our show. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you tune in for new episodes every Tuesday. See you then.